Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome in to the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast for Tuesday, March 23rd. Michael Beller here with Jake Seeley and Brandon Funston. We have been in the new league year for a little bit short of a week, and uh, we had quite the uh, the flurry of signings, you guys, since the last time we had an episode. Uh, right, We had the, the fun and the tampering period. Then things sort of slowed down once the uh, actual league year began, and then after that, from about Thursday afternoon through yesterday or even this morning, uh, we have had quite a bit of action uh, in the free agent market. So that gives us plenty to talk about on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. So thank you, teams across the league, for not jamming everything into that three, four-day period and stretching things out a little bit. They've given us a whole show's worth of stuff to talk about, of signings to talk about. So uh, I, I don't know, you guys. I am I'm very thankful for the NFL and the way things have gone and that little lull that gave us this boomlet of things for us to talk about here. Uh, I'm feeling good going into this episode, you guys. <laughs> I'm feeling good too. A new word, boomlet. I don't think I've heard that one before. <laughs> but I've, oh, I've yeah, been more in the. Sure. Is it a real just, word? I, I like uh, it. It was it's made up word. It's a pretty solid made yeah, up word. Follow either no, way. no, no, no. It, it, it's for sure. It's for sure a real word. You know, it's. Uh, I've actually had this discussion before. So uh, it's. Uh, it's something I go back to. It was like first coined in like 1850 something. A, a small boom, specifically a sudden increase in business activity. There okay. you go. So like yeah. Mark Twain, something new every like a Mark Twainism or something. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know. I don't know who coined it, but uh, um, yeah, uh, that's what. And that's what we've had, right? We've had a sudden increase in business activity. If the yeah, business activity is the free agent market in the NFL world, so uh, it, it's been it's been fun to watch over these last few days. I mean, well, anything, we've had a let's boom start- since the last show. So I mean, if we were, I mean, I we, guess that's true. Boom, but now yeah. you're just raining on my. You guys are raining on my boomlet after parade, the last show. Kind of lame of you guys. <laughs> we're trying to make it bigger than a boomlet. We're trying to make it a full-on boom. We're trying to make it like a bomb bomb. How about that? Uh, we use a bomb. Oh, a bomb bomb! I love that. Let's bring some. Uh, let's bring some Mario into this. Uh, <laughs> into this show here. Um. All right. So let's say. Let's say it was a boom. Then let's say it was a boom, and let's just jump right in. Jake, give us your biggest signing. Whether it was. Good, bad, whatever. What was the thing that you took away the biggest piece of news from in this boom that we've had since last Thursday? Since last Thursday? Okay, yeah. well, I was going to say because there's a two different uh, – I, I will say – I'll answer the other question in case people didn't pay attention to last week. I still think the biggest is the team as a whole is the Curtis Samuel and Ryan Fitzpatrick addition to the footballs. That's the one I love the most. Uh, the biggest mm-hmm. boom, I think, whether or not – you agree with the impact for fantasy purposes has to be Kenny Galladay because we hadn't talked, uh, we hadn't covered that since Brandon and I were talking because that happened uh, yep. you know later that day and so we had Juju during that time, a few others, but I think the biggest boom for anything is that. Although I don't think it's the biggest boom for his fantasy potential. Why not? Well, I was going to let Brandon give his answer. 
Can I? No, no, no. Yeah, I'm. No, no. You want my answer first? You're getting stomped <laughs> on, Brandon. Well, well, I mean, I think no, yeah. Let, I think let's go. We'll get to Brandon, but let's go on Galladay, and then Brandon give okay. us your take on ahead. Galladay, and then we'll get your big boom. <laughs> okay, that that works. So, if anybody that hasn't read the write up, which by the way, we still have that dollar offer going, right? For, yeah, uh, check that yes, out. Yes, yeah. There you go. See, look, the man of the company. Uh, for the Kenny Galladay thing, is I put it in there. I just compared Stafford and Daniel Jones for the last two years. So it wasn't just one year. It wasn't the injuries missed. All that. Just the last two years. You pick a category, pick pick a metric. Daniel Jones is worse. Catchable percentage <laughs> on target percentage, twenty yard plus plays, completion on twenty plus yard plays, air attempt, air put completions. Pick one. Daniel Jones is worse by two, three, four, some spots, just worse. And, and look, yes, Daniel Jones hasn't had this. And yes, Daniel Jones, you know, we could all talk about Darius Slayton wasn't equipped to be a number one in the big outside threat. And Sterling Shepard's been hit or miss. And Evan Ingram's dropping passes, blah, blah. It's just Daniel Jones versus Matthew Stafford. Daniel Jones is not Matthew Stafford. So let's take that one. And then two is you could argue easily Kenny Galladay's now got a hell of a lot more competition for opportunities on the Giants as crazy as that might sound to some people than he did with the Lions when you talk about Saquon Barkley's going to be back and healthy and then Shepard and Slayton and Ingram and now they're throwing Kyle Rudolph who's probably going to block a ton but you know there's a lot here and really what it comes down to is that Kenny Galladay on a lot of teams even right back with the Lions could have been similar to what we saw his explosion of the 1190 yards and 11 touchdowns from two years ago you tell me 12, 1,300 yards, 10-plus touchdowns on a lot of teams. On the Giants, I think it's about 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns. And that's my issue because if you give him 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns, he's wide receiver 23 or 24 the past two years. And I think Kenny Galladay on the Giants is a wide receiver too, and that low-end wide receiver too, and that kind of sucks. Yeah, well, okay, so Daniel Jones actually was decent on the deep ball, though, last year, right? I mean, that's – he actually had some – But he decent. wasn't – he's decent. This is the Derek Carr argument for everybody that hates on Derek Carr. He's decent. He's not miserable. He's decent. But he's not Matthew Stafford, and he's not even top 10. So he's not – he's no Jared Goff. Like, he's not that miserable. But he's not – again, yeah. I, I threw out all those things. Right. Though, that includes air yards to attempt completion and 20 yards. So the completion percentage on 20-plus yards downfield – Stafford was 73.3%, Daniel Jones 70.9%. So not a huge gap, but Stafford bets him in every single category. Well, deep ball passer rating, Daniel Jones looks like he was number three. Passer last... rating's trash. Oh, <laughs> come on, something. You said every no. metric. I'm throwing out one that's not a bet that wasn't <laughs> on there. I'm just saying. Yeah, but I was if there's saying, one like, thing as a that whole. offers a glimmer of hope, it's the fact that, and listen. The, wor- let- the worst metric in football? <laughs> Well, think a couple of years ago, Darius Slayton making all those those big plays downfield with mm-hmm. Daniel Jones. I mean, that's Kenny Galladay now, and that's going to be more of them. And so, yeah, I think he's. I think Kenny Galladay goes from a guy that when he's healthy and was with Detroit, and Matt Stafford was healthy, like even when Matt Stafford wasn't. I mean, Kenny Galladay was pretty consistent week in and week out. I think what you're going to see is a higher volatility rate from him, but I think you're still going to have some huge days mixed in there. I think it's just going to be less less reliable. So. Yeah, I don't like it. I mean, I think I agree. It's a downgrade. Um, the I was just going to throw something else that kind of threw me off, and it's a smaller yeah. signing. But I love Josh Jacobs, and I, I couldn't figure out the Kenyon Drake <laughs> deal with the Raiders and the Raiders trading, like, every one of their offensive linemen. I don't know what this Raiders team is trying to do. And I what what kills me is that Jacobs, the big narrative last year, and I pushed it, was that he was going to get a big jump in receptions and he got a little jump from 20 to 33. 
But I think, you know, he's basically capped now because what else, what else is Kenyon Drake going to do other than spell him, you know, when he needs a break and be the guy that's playing, you know, playing the third down role there. So I, I hate that from a Josh Jacobs signing. I, I mean, from a Josh Jacobs pers- perspective. Yeah, because- I mean, is this, is this just a straight up no win situation? Right. I mean, that's the way it feels, right? It's bad for Jacobs. It's not good for Drake. It just feels like sort of like what we talked about with Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry last week that we went from having, you know, maybe a low end RB one in Jacobs and a mid tier RB two, maybe depending on where he landed with the potential to reach up uh, even higher in Kenyon Drake to two guys who you're going to have to see where things shake out and where they land in ADP before you would even think about drafting them. Yeah. So for and I'm not saying that Brandon's saying this, but I think the perception with Drake is that he's a great pass catcher, and he's not. And really, was like I this is one of the reasons in the pre agency period when I was predicting best spots for fantasy is I said put him on the Falcons where he doesn't need to catch a lot, but he can step into that Todd Gurley role. Put him on the Seahawks. I, now I think we'll get to that, but I think Chris Carson is definitively a better fit, and I'm glad he's back. But I think Kenyon Drake in a situation like that, even if you swapped out, take Jacobs off. Let's just say he's gone off the Raiders. Replacing Jacobs is good for Drake, and I think that's why it's worse. Mm-hmm. That's why I actually think it's worse than what Brandon was saying. So, because I think Drake replicates Josh Jacobs a lot. He's a better pass catcher than most, uh, but he's not the third. De- he's not a pure pass. He's not Theo Riddick, Jalen Richard, guys that have been on this team. He's not Tariq Cohen. Um, so I don't know, and I say that because I don't know that the Raiders still aren't going to utilize that piece. And if you're utilizing that piece and Kenyon Drake just replicates Josh Jacobs, Josh Jacobs might be 15 touches a week. So now he's a mid-tier RB2. Kenyon Drake is completely off the radar of being usable right. in fantasy. And as you mentioned, just caps Josh Jacobs for probably being a 25, 30-catch guy at best for a season. So I, I hate this signing from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, well, what did Devontae Booker sign for? I, I don't remember what you guys remember, but I'm imagining that Kenyon Drake got a, a sizable amount was, more than what Booker did. You know. two, was it two for 12 yeah. with the Giants? Two for 12 for Booker? That's got to be way too much. Six million a year for I guess that's starting running back money now. Am I overshooting? If am I overshooting that? It's I don't know. The Giants ever paid for everybody, for so six, I'm just trying probably. to think. Of- <laughs> <laughs> I bet you it's two for six. Yeah. But yeah, it's not. It, in, it's not in this. Uh, in our hold on, keep talking. I'll, I'll yeah, it is well, two for six. I'm just saying it, it was the six. So yeah, okay. it's two for two six. For six. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah, right. you got to figure they're gonna you know basically give him Devonte Booker's role, but elevate it. And I, I think what my right. point was is exactly what your point is, Jake, is that Jacobs goes from maybe 20 to 15 like in in like expected touches per week that's that's not that's not good that does suddenly drops him way down uh the list you know where i had him as a definitive kind of back-end first rounder i think you're now talking about him as a back-end second rounder. chris carson this is one that uh the the real life football world and the fantasy football world are in total agreement we hate that it's getting taken away that these opportunities are getting taken away from jacobs we hate that a usable piece maybe not a superstar piece but a usable piece certainly in Kenyon drake is now totally off the board and shield Capadia, our colleague here gave this an f a signing grade of f for the raiders by making this move and i mean very hard way to go yeah right very it's impossible to argue with because as you said brandon we just can't figure out what the Raiders are doing. One team that's easy to figure out what they're doing, the Seattle Seahawks, Chris Carson back in town. We're going to go to our Seahawks expert here, Brandon. I mean, I think roundly we all like this signing and like that Chris Carson's back with the Seahawks. Yeah, I mean, and now it's just the same old narrative. Can you play 16 games, you know, instead of 14 yeah. or 13 and, and leave, you know, leave some fantasy managers hanging in December. But other than that, like he just fits – 
He fits well in this offense. He's, you know, he's elevated his passing game and, and it, a lot just, I mean, there's bigger questions about Penny right now than there is about Carson. And there's really nobody else there to worry about. And so, yeah, maybe, you know, as last year was mostly a rest year for Penny and a rehab year, and he got a little bit of run towards the end. Uh, maybe he comes back and he, and he brings most of what he had, um, you know, vitality wise before the big injury, but um it, it, I mean, it's just no concern. Even last year when Carson had a whole lot less touches than he typically had, he was very productive. So there's just not a whole lot of worry here. I think he's back to just being the guy that we're going to talk about probably in that, what, 15 to 20 range at the running back position and not a whole lot has changed other, other than the fact that they got him for a couple more years secure. Yeah, there's no question there. He's been 14 points per game for the past three years, just above. So he's always fringe RB1. It's just a question of health. And I would take him over Jacobs because where some people might argue, well, I don't want to deal with the injury. Well, here's the thing with Chris Carson is then I know I can just turn to the next guy that the Seahawks turn to (laughs) with Josh Jacobs. If he gets hurt, I mean, is it going to be Kenyon Drake or is Kenyon Drake just going to step in as we were just talking about? Is he just going to be Josh Jacobs? And if that's the case, he's still RB 15 or 16. At least Chris Carson, I know I can get like RB 11, 12 until he gets hurt Mm -hmm. and then try to replace him with probably RB 15 or 16 as we've seen from before. So I just think it's it's better upside just to go ahead and take it. Yeah, last year, points per game in half PPR leagues, these guys were actually back-to-back. You had Josh Jacobs as the RB12 in points per game in PPR leagues and Chris Carson as the RB13. I don't think there's any reason to expect anything different from Chris Carson this season. So this was one that was – yeah, right. It's going to be like a, a drop for Jacobs. Carson, though, we should get right back in there. An easy fantasy win across the board with Chris Carson going back to the Seahawks. It'll be interesting to see where he where he does end up landing, right? It feels like he's getting into the range of a little bit disrespected because he's so kind of boring, right? I mean, like Chris Carson isn't going to blow you away. He's not going to be a top five running back. He's not going to catch a million passes. Uh, and it seems like a guy like him could get a little bit underdrafted. This is just my speculation at this point, so many months out from you know any ADP consensus starting to even just barely form. But I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Carson, even though he's had this year after year after year of being in the low-end one, high-end two range in points per game, if he ends up getting pushed because of some of the more exciting guys who are entering the game or maybe expecting a jump in their production in the 2021 season. Will Fuller, this one feels like a win to me too, guys. Uh, going to Miami, uh, you know, it's definitely not a win to make the quarterback change that he's making, but if we were already assuming something like that was going to be happening – I think this is a pretty good landing spot for Will Fuller. Where are you at on this one, Jake? Uh, so um, I think it's a net neutral, honestly, because okay. I think the opportunity is good, but I think the situation is much much worse going from Watson to yeah. Tua. And I'm a huge Tua fan, uh, and I do think Tua can be better, and I do think he can have a better deep ball than what we've seen. But for even if that's the case, and even if he grows in that aspect, you're talking about the offensive style too. Like part of the reason Preston Williams didn't really fit last year and had so many issues, whether or not being healthy, is because they're moving to this kind of pseudo hybridy West Coast offense. And if that's the case, I don't want Will Fuller in that offense. That's so that's part <laughs> of it. But if you talk about Watson versus Tag or Tagovola, I'm Tua Tagovailoa. I was getting tongue tied trying to say <laughs> both. I was trying to I was trying to combine his first and last name. But anyway, I did the same thing in the article as I did with Stafford and Daniel Jones. And I looked at it uh-huh. and you talk about completion of 20 plus yards downfield catchable on target percentage. Actually the catchable and on target percentage five percent 
point difference from Watson. That's just overall. That's not even deep ball. That's just overall catchability. And then you talk about all the numbers. It's a drop-off, but it's a good opportunity for him. He can step in next to Devontae Parker. So Will Fuller is going to continue to be the same Will Fuller, at least how he's always been for me. He's going to be a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three, probably finish a little bit higher than that, probably finishes more of the middle-of-the-pack wide receiver two. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be that same roller coaster where it's one week, 120 yards, and a touchdown, and the next week, you know, two for 32. And that's just what you have to deal with when you have Will Fuller. Hopefully his price gets down to wide receiver three, and I can – I've him on a few rosters, but I th- I, st- I think I'm still going to miss out. Yeah, <laughs> you know I think what's interesting, you know, we, we talked about and you know, we saw it last year the average depth of target for Tua and just how he, you know the game was was very short and intermediate range. And I and I think the signing is curious because it represents that Miami believes that they can unlock him or or you know open sure. things up for him. And so either they know going in that he's capable of that or they want to push him to do that. Otherwise, you go out and you sign Juju Smith-Schuster, right? And and, and mm-hmm. try to fit him, you know, someone better to what we saw from him last year. So uh, to me, it represents that they're going to try um, to really open things up for Tua. Yeah. And, and uh, I'll, you know, I'll be interested to see how that works out. Yeah, I think that's a, a very good point. And you, right, you, you're teaming up with – Teaming him up, excuse me, with Devontae Parker, with Mike Kosicki. I mean, you've got a lot of guys who want to get vertical now in this passing game. And so I think, like you said, Brandon, it's it's a sign both. I think both, right? Not only that they want to open it up, but that they believe Tua right. can open things up and be much more dangerous of a thrower of the ball down the field. Like, I don't know, with this coaching staff, with what we've seen from them, they don't seem like the sort of coaching staff that is going to try to fit square pegs into round holes. I don't think this is a, a team that's going to reverse engineer uh, personnel to scheme. I think they're going to let personnel drive the scheme that they end up running. And so the fact that they were willing to go out there and make this signing, a guy who was very popular, a guy who had plenty of uh, uh, interest on the free agent market, you bring him in alongside what you already have, tells me that they believe Tua can open it up and not just want him to open it up. And that uh, that definitely, I think, is a good sign and something we can take into the 2021 season. You mentioned Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, <laughs> I know that this was a guy who we just didn't necessarily think. Uh, Jake, right? I mean, you were all over the fact that uh, he was not going to be back in Pittsburgh, but here he is back in Pittsburgh. I, I mean, are we, are we dealing with the same? Let me actually phrase it like this. When we <laughs> sit down to draft in a couple of months, are we going to have to assume that we're dealing with the same week-in, week-out headache with all of these guys in Pittsburgh? I think it's potentially worse next year, honestly. And that's really that's why I scoffed is also because they had an offer on the table that was very similar from the Chiefs. Like, I understand. So, I didn't think he was going to be back with Pittsburgh because of their situation with their uh, yeah, with their salary sure. cap. And look, I say it more than anybody else. You can manipulate the salary cap. Look at what the Giants are doing. So, you can do that and manipulate it so they can find ways to get money. But if it was going to be a one-year deal, this is the other reason I was doubling down and saying it wasn't going to happen. Because where are you going to maximize? Ju- if you are Juju Smith-Schuster... You're like, I'm going to maximize my value to say, you know what? I'm not getting the contract this year. I'll get it in 2022. Why are you back with Pittsburgh? Why? (laughs) You could have just played with Patrick Mahomes. Are you that scared of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey not letting you really maximize your value? Then pick another team. I just don't get it. I don't get it because... Chase Claypool already made a ton of noise as a rookie, and he's a better outside wide receiver. I still, you tell me talent as a whole, I'll still take Juju, but I think Claypool's pushing him, and he's better outside. You know my love for Deontay Johnson, who I think is clearly the number one on this team and was the number one from a fantasy perspective, too. So where does Juju go? He just replicates last year, which is a fringe wide receiver, too. He's going to be short to intermediate all the time, especially with what Ben is at this point of his career. 
I just don't get it. I don't get it from a logic perspective. And when you talk about fantasy, I think he's a wide receiver three because the similar to what you were talking about before with the Josh Jacobs, Chris Carson situation is that it's not just who he finished ahead of last year. So you got Curtis Samuel was behind him. You could say he finishes in front of him. Terry McLaurin was just behind him in a full season now playing with Curtis mm-hmm. Samuel. So DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, they both don't have Curtis Samuel. The rookies, possibly one or two of those surpasses him. So you can go down this list. I just don't even think he makes the top 25 next year. Well, so do you think the Brandon, reason... let me jump in. Okay. Let me yeah. jump in for a second. I mean, to me, he feels like like knockoff Jarvis Landry. Yeah. I think that's I feel like that's what that's we're looking a good at. One. I think he's Cole Beasley. That's enough. I mean, that's, Well, so I wonder if his reasoning is that, you know, he's going to go out there again in free agency in a year. I had 128 targets. I'm in one of the most pass-heavy systems. I can sell 97 catches and nine touchdowns. It wasn't pretty for us in fantasy. But you can go out and you can sell that, and he's still he's ridiculously young still. Um, It's true. And Pittsburgh might have to throw more. I mean, they have no running game. They have their offensive lines in shambles. They're losing key defensive players, and Mm -hmm. you know, so I I think the 128 targets might be still in in play for him if he gets another 97 catches and he pushes nine touchdowns. Even if he doesn't get a thousand yards, it's a bunch of low volume stuff. In the middle of your 20s, coming off a couple of those years in a familiar system might have been the safest play for him. That's safe. Yeah. It was safe. Right. No, no guts, no glory. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I would have loved to have seen him in Kansas city. I would just love to see them have a third pass catcher who demands some sort of target volume, meaningful, like week in, week out target volume. I would love to see how they would weave a third guy in like that. So that like, like no guts, no glory. It sort of stinks from a fantasy perspective that we didn't get to see Juju end up in Kansas city. I think that would have been fun. Just someone like that who would have to get, I don't know, even like a dude who's going to command six and a half targets per game alongside Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, I think would be a lot of fun to see. I don't think we're getting that this year and uh, dealing with Juju back in Pittsburgh. Who knows what we're going to ultimately end up getting from that picture. Um, let's take a step down here, guys. Let's take a step down. Obviously, Carson Drake, Galladay, Fuller, Juju, those are going to be obviously headline-grabbing names no matter where they end up. Let's take a little bit of a step down. Let's actually go to one that happened, I believe this was this morning and not late Monday night. Mike Davis going to the Atlanta Falcons. This feels like not a bad landing spot at all for Mike Davis and his fantasy value with what he did a season ago, stepping in for the injured Christian McCaffrey, uh, obviously the uh, the production, the week-by-week production slowed as the season went on, but he showed himself to be a useful guy uh, in a featured role. And, you know, Jake, there's no reason to expect he's not going to have that sort of role in Atlanta, right? Yes, there is. Uh, I just want to yeah. jump in here. This is this is, this is is Chicago all over again. He gets, he gets <laughs> one month of everybody talking about him as the guy until Atlanta drafts the guy that's going to be their guy. Exactly. That's, that's exactly where I was going to go. Until, until Atlanta's, you know, maybe it's not Harris or Etienne or Etienne. However, we still it seems to be a, a non-consensus on that one. Maybe can I get a video yeah. of his name? Like when I looked up Tariq Cohen, can I get a video of his mom saying his name? And tell us exactly. It's got to be Etienne. I feel like I, it's Etienne. That, but I looked it up and there was an Etienne out there for so. Eh, whatever. I well, mean, I don't speak French, but that's not how the French language works. I know, but we've had this whole <laughs> argument before about the whole how the French, la- like all these languages and how they pronounce their own names. But anyway, that if aside. If it were ETN, it would be ETNE. You know? No, it's not necessarily. Look, I'm, while I'm looking, I'm going to type it. I'm going to do two things at once. So anyway. We've got to have a French speaker on staff who we can ask this, but there's but just no way that's how the language works. It's not that it's, it's not as French, it's his name. 
Like, look at my last name. It's not Steely. Fr- but it's a French. Look, look, it's a French name. I understand that he wasn't born in Paris, but it's a French name. His last right. name. Right. No, see, I'm pulling up the same thing. This is from Greenville Online. Three things you may not know about Clemson running back Travis E-T-N. How you pronounce his last name is just like the letters E-T-N. E-T-N. That's N N. Hold on. It's not even French. It's actually technically Cajun, Louisiana, which I know is French descent. But it's yeah. actually, if you pronounced it from there, it would actually be A-Chen. Ooh. Uh, well, uh, you know what? I would Board have more respect three. for that than ETN. <laughs> I would so, I would get I would get on board with Achien over ETN. So I'm gonna go with this until somebody from Clemson or himself <laughs> tells me otherwise, but I'm sticking with Or the ETN. Atlanta Falcons, perhaps, in a couple yes. of months, I guess. That's the point that we need to stick on. <laughs> is that Atlanta's not done at running back. And if they are, maybe it's a day two, day three running back who kind of doesn't take over for four to six weeks. So maybe to your point, Brandon, is it's a month now, but then it's also a month in the season. So enjoy Mike Davis for the brief amount of time. But Mike Davis has been uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick at running backs. He's been ah, the stopgap. Like no, yeah, like nobody wants him to be the answer, but they're okay if he is. I think that's fair. He's, he's serviceable. He's just a serviceable, you know, bridge running back. I like the the Fitzpatrick mm-hmm. comparison. I think really says it all. This Atlanta offense, uh, and it's going to be uh, an interesting one to watch with uh, Arthur Smith there as the uh, as the head coach. And, uh, yeah, Mike Davis, he'll fit in in some way, and uh, this will be a guy who uh, maybe we recalibrate uh, what the draft value, the fantasy draft value is for him after the NFL draft. How about Philip Lindsay going to Houston? This was one that didn't necessarily expect right after they uh, make the addition of Mark Ingram. They felt like a team that could be done except for the draft uh, at the running back position after bringing in Mark Ingram. But then they go in, go out, excuse me, and bring in Philip Lindsay. And I, I don't know, I'm having trouble figuring out if I think this is better for him or worse for him now that he's teamed up with Mark Ingram versus being teamed up with Melvin Gordon had he remained on that second year or that, uh, that second round tender uh, with the Broncos. Where are we landing on him, Jake? I'll give you the same thing I told the person who asked in the column. Go watch Wasting Time video. That's exactly what you're doing with this entire backfield. David Johnson, Mark Ingram, Phil Lindsay, get the hell away from this team. And we're not even talking about who the hell knows what the quarterback situation is going to be like. I mm-hmm. want nothing to do with, uh, as of today, Brandon Cooks is even starting to look sketchier than he was. This is a disgusting team right now. Yeah, let alone who knows what's going on with the Deshaun Watson situation. But mm-hmm, I think from a Philip Lindsay standpoint, you you put yourself in in training camp alongside a couple. You know, is it David Johnson thirty yet? He's got to be right there knocking on the door. But Mark Ingram's right. in his thirties. I, I feel like Lindsay's going to show well from a uh, you know from an athleticism standpoint at this point. You know, compared to what those guys have left in the tank. So. And, you know, they're going to be more injury prone. So maybe we'll see during the season, you know, a higher upside of Lindsay just being able to be the man for short windows of time. So um, I can see it working out, but it's there's just no there's no bankable. There's no bankable angle here, you know, and so yeah. I agree with Jake. It's just a mess. Yeah, this will be one that we watch in 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 uh, I was gonna say spring training baseball on the brain in training camp. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, just right. right like even if even if Lindsay out athleticizes every single or Ingram and Johnson, which we expect him to do and probably has the highest ceiling of the three. Should he get a backfield to himself? Like it's not like these guys are just going to go away and it's going to be a situation where we're talking about all three of these guys. And certainly at least two of them being involved. Ingram got pushed aside in Baltimore last year in a crowded backfield. 
Maybe that happens again in Houston, but this is a backfield where we know at least two guys are going to have meaningful enough roles from a touch standpoint that it's going to make it hard for anyone to stand out. So not necessarily the greatest landing spot from a fantasy perspective for Philip Lindsay. Um, someone else here that I, I asked you guys about this. So last week I missed our Thursday show that you guys did alone. Excellent job, by the way. Big time kudos. Uh, but I, I was doing our college basketball show looking at the tournament. And I still edited it, right? I still edited it. I produced it. I put it up on the site. Um, and uh, when you guys sent me your clips, when you sent me your your um, your tracks, I asked, I think it was you, Brandon, right? Because you sent it to me after. And I, I asked, uh, please tell me that the Jared <laughs> Cook signing happened. Please tell me you were able to get that in. Because it was Thursday. It was right around the time you were sending them to me. And you told me it didn't happen. So It would have you know, been, actually, been about 22 minutes longer had it happened before that. That would have been about, the, talk about the length of Jake's rant. Part of, <laughs> you got, no, you got it. At the end, it was just the fart noises. That's what you got. <laughs> Is that it? Is that the uh, is that the full on analysis we've got here, Jake, for Jared Cook going to the hundred percent the full on analysis? Just more fart noises. Everybody else can go ahead and enjoy drafting Jared Cook while I sit back and laugh at your wasted draft pick because as Jared Cook is Jared Cook is Jared Cook as Lenny Melnick would say is you know he's a rookie he's a rookie he's a rookie well the same thing you're not gonna get anything different than Jared Cook is he's touchdown reliant. Good luck guessing what weeks it's going to be because he shows up when he's not supposed to. He doesn't when he is supposed to. It's hey, it's Mark Ingram, too. It's why Pat Mayo hates Mark Ingram. Worst place. Worst place, Jared Cook. If you get 500, 600 yards and seven, eight touchdowns, that's a Jared Cook stat line and what you're probably going to get. But again, the problem is... Good luck predicting what weeks it's going to be. Well, the funny thing is Hunter Henry's basically been putting up Jared Cook stat lines. You know, he's been right. a little bit more kind of like reliable and from a week to week standpoint. But you're going to get the probably 600 yards, six touchdowns, 50, 50, 55 catches, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but to the nature of, of Jared Cook, yeah, I don't know if you can change it. Tiger stripes. Well, uh, the, and I, the, I think the difference is if you would have said Hunter Henry in non PPR, I think it's a mm -hmm. good parallel. The thing is, Hunter Henry helps himself with a few more. Like he doesn't, he doesn't usually come away with two for forty or three for forty-five or something like that. Hunter Henry is usually, if he doesn't get a touchdown, he'll get five or six to keep him in that seven, eight-point range per week and half in full-point PPR. So that's that's the difference right there. But is that still true though? Like, is Jared Cook now in a better spot? Jared Cook by himself in Hunter Henry's old starting position in a better spot from a fantasy perspective than Hunter Henry is in New England. With Johnny Smith, so is he? <laughs> is he? Is he what he was with the Raiders, where he had sixty-eight catches, nine hundred yards? I mean, and a hundred one targets. That. Yeah, he's not, he's not that, but like, let's right? let's, he, let's he also realize that he arguably at well, not even arguably at best case best case scenario, he's fourth on the team. So you got Eckler, Mike sure. Williams, and Keenan Allen. Best case, and that's even before you include Jalen Guyton. Or whether you want to say Johnson, or I still think it's Guyton, but he's probably mm -hmm. fifth. So and that's really what it comes down, especially if you're going to talk about Herbert's aggressiveness. I don't think he's, you know, unless we start sending Jared Cook on these seam routes all the time, which I don't know that he can do anymore like he used to. Right. Like, if you told me Jared Cook five years ago in this situation replacing Hunter, I'd be like, all right, fine. I like maybe. You would not have said fine. You would not have said that. You no, still I would said fine if you want him. I'm, I'm still, no, I still <laughs> wouldn't want him on my team, but I would have said fine if you really want to take him. I'm not going to tell you not to you just ignore him altogether. But at this point of his career, ignore him altogether. Where? Just, I'm just curious. Where do you imagine ranking him? I don't know if you've already ranked your tight ends. Seventy fifth. Or... <laughs> <laughs> don't draft Jared him. Jared Cook or Cole Komet? Who you got? Cole Komet. 
I'm, I'm saying it's 10 times hyperbole, and you're actually ranking him about 7.5. No, he will not be inside my top 10. He won't be inside my top 15. There's no upside to he it. He will is... be in my top 15. He won't be in my top 10. There's zero I, I upside how to many, Jared How many Cook. tight ends are there upside to? A lot. Cole Komet could break out. I'll take Cole Komet. I'll take Irv Smith now with Kyle Rudolph gone. I'll yeah, but don't you, you think he's a, like a Cole Komet? Irv Smith's going to be like tight end seven. Yeah, Isn't he? Uh, but it's look. Are we do we do? Are we gonna do what we do on my pack podcast? We're gonna make a list like Chris Jericho. We're we gonna do that. Yeah, breakout list. Here? Let's let's make a list. I I haven't looked at tight ends in you know a few months. Hold but let's do I'll it. Gonna, let's I'm gonna pull up my way yeah. way 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 too early rankings. Yeah. and see what's changing there. I have a fancy pros window open here as we speak. Um, yeah, that's. Let's do it. Give, let's isn't that do it. Voldemort? Let's make a, let's make a list. <laughs> Give of fantasy tight pros ends. a little plug there. Uh, but uh, let's see. All right, Kelsey so Kittle, Waller, Andrews, Hawkinson. I think we're all in on those five. Being Jared uh, Cook didn't even make my top twenty. Goddard, Fant, Tanya, yes, Henry, yes, all above. Yes. Gasecki. Yes. Blake Jarwin, um, Irv, Smith. Hurst, Irv Smith, Cole Komet, Austin Hooper, Tyler Higby, Rob Gronkowski, Eric Ebron. Well, probably not. No, maybe Eric Ebron. I don't know you. if I'm going. I don't know if I'm going Austin Hooper over Jerry Cook. I, I got to think about that. I, Why would anything be different for Austin Hooper this year than it was last year? Why would it be anything different than Jared Cook was last year? Uh, well, because you know, um, he's probably got a better quarterback this year than he had last year from a just fantasy production standpoint. <laughs> Jared Cook was 17th last year and right behind him is Higby. So I'm taking Higby, obviously. Now Why would he's... anything be different? I mean, well, he's got, he's got Stafford. Gone. But you know what? And he's got yeah, Stafford. Yeah, he's got Both. Stafford, but he's also Both. now got, uh, he's got uh, Deshaun Jackson now there. Oh That's yeah. For, like... for what? The 37 snaps he plays in week one. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> you know, they brought him in for a reason. Yeah, to, to be a deep threat to get two balls per game. So, yeah, like, was Zach Ertz still might end up on a new team, and then we can get excited about him again. So, can and we? I tell you, guess what? You know who's gone? Jared Cook is gone. Guess who gets to step up now? Adam Trotman. I'll take Adam Trotman's upside over wasting a pick on Jared Cook. That's my point. Is It's not, look, yes, if you told me Jared Cook versus Trotman, I'm taking Cook. I understand that argument. But, again, yeah. it's it's a wasted pick because it's uh, it's – it's what I made the argument for the longest time towards the the end of the career for uh, Greg Jennings, like at the end of his yeah. career. Like I love Greg Jennings, the player, but at the end of his career for fantasy purposes, there was no point. Yeah. He was your wide receiver five or six. He was never going to get back to being a wide receiver mm-hmm. three. At this point, Jared Cook is not going to be a top 10. There's zero upside for him. If you want tight end 17, 16, if you want that, go draft him. But I'm drafting for upside at tight end. I'm drafting for somebody who can maybe be a top 10 tight end, and that's not happening with Cook. All right, Jake, you're you're really selling Deshaun pretty hard. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously the 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 injuries are going to be a thing. He's not going to play 16 games. He's not going to play 12 games probably. But like, let's just let's imagine a world in which Deshaun Jackson plays 10 games. I mean, isn't this a fun spot for him with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford, who loves to throw the ball deep, and Sean McVay and the the connections that he already has with some of the coaching staff? Like, this is we know there's going to be big time injury questions with him. We know he's going to miss some time, but like. Could you have drawn up a better place for Deshaun Jackson at 34 years old to be than with this Rams team? Yes, retirement. <laughs> Come on, stop playing Get this game with Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson is has nothing left at this point. Like, yes, okay, for real life purposes, it's fun. If I'm a Matthew yeah. Stafford drafter, it's fun. If I'm talking about Deshaun Jackson, no, I could. Could not care less about Deshaun Jackson. But even if he plays, even if you told me today, Deshaun Jackson plays 14 games. 
Don't care. He's not top two in this opportunity for targets. Probably not even top three. I do think Tyler. What? Wait a minute. Top four. If I told you he's playing 14 games, you're still not interested in him. No. As a bye week. No, because you know who he is at this point. You know who he is. He's going to pop for three for 103 and a touchdown. You can can enjoy Just like Jared Cook and Will Fuller, he's a poor man's Will Fuller. Just like those two. Good luck predicting. What's wrong with a poor man's Will Fuller playing 14 games? Because you're never going to predict his good weeks. Because you're going to plug him in on your buy and you're going to get a wonderful one for 17 and be like, I can't believe I went back to Deshaun Jackson. What do you expect when you have your regulars on buys? You're not expecting your next guy to I expect somebody better than Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson's guard. Garbage at this point. Garbage. Retirement. Don't oh waste it. God. This is don't waste your draft pick on Deshaun Jackson. Don't and if you do, don't come bitching at me in week seven when you don't <laughs> understand why you're two and five. I was gonna throw it down to Brandon to uh, defend the West Coast, be our West Coast defender here with you on the East Coast and me in the Midwest. But I think he's, he's yep, there he's, he's gone. I, was, I think he's I think he's frozen down there. He did give us a heads up that there was maybe that uh, he had the power company out at his house, and there was maybe going to be a time where he got cut off. That's, so, see, look, that's how much you know Deshaun Jackson's terrible. <laughs> Even the power company's like he's not worth talking about. Oh <laughs> uh, man! So is this where we say everything we've ever wanted to say about Brandon? Yeah. <laughs> Good. Stop showing up late to our videos, Brandon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is what you get. You show up late, you leave early, you blame it on the power company. Screw the Seahawks. I'm more excited to talk about the next one. That's what we say. I'll I'll happily talk about the next one. Well, yeah, Josh Reynolds, the guy who leaves open the spot that Deshaun Jackson now fills going to Tennessee. I agree with you on this one, too. This is is an exciting one. I mean, he's going to have more opportunity than he's ever seen in his career, right? I mean, no, I mean, we know that it's going to still be a very run-heavy offense with Derrick Henry, but John who's gone, Corey Davis is gone, and Josh Reynolds should get plenty of opportunity in this offense, shouldn't he? As of today. So I, I, I right. said this. So uh, this is two things. So And to go back to Deshaun Jackson, I actually made a joke. I was like, the, sen- the signing makes a ton of sense until you realize Van Jefferson's at better at this point of his career <laughs> than Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> but no, I say that I, I bring up Van Jefferson for a reason. So the Josh Reynolds tweet that I put out is until I could see the Titans investing a day two pick in wide receiver. There's still going to yeah. be a hell of a lot of good names and a hell of a lot of good names that, not, you know, Justin Jefferson wasn't a day one pick. So. And I'm not saying you're going to get Justin Jefferson on Titans. All I'm just saying is there's going to be talent at the wide receiver position there on day two. Mm-hmm. And if the Titans do spend a day two pick, I think that really hurts Josh Reynolds. And hell, they might go draft Fryermuth, and when you might now you have a tight end situation, or people love Fersker. So I don't think it's Gino steps out and all of his targets are left over. I think mm-hmm. it's mainly Corey Davis. As of today, yes, I'm with you. I love Josh Reynolds as of today as a wide receiver four. I think it's a great mm-hmm. wide receiver four with some upside for more. But if they draft a day two, now if they wait till day three, Josh Reynolds, yes, all day up. Yeah. Right, so people that are listening to the audio up, uh, two thumbs up for that. But if it's a day <laughs> two pick, I would say Josh Reynolds, I, I would be hesitant to invest. So, you, so best case scenario for Josh Reynolds is 2020 Corey Davis? Is, is that, I think is, that's is fair. that feel fair? That's fair. Yeah. And with Corey Davis, you know, the breakout season, even if you look at it game per game, you know, it was – Better consistency than Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> he's is better consistency than Will Fuller a few years ago. Like Will Fuller uh-huh. was was pretty great for a while there, but it's better consistency of that. But it's still limited just because you mentioned it's Derek Henry, AJ Brown first. Really, what this comes down right. to, I'm just super excited for AJ Brown. AJ Brown's going to be finally yeah. inside the top five. Yeah, and he's going to be getting all just like it's finally going to be a, it, the season that where he gets. 
where he's a double-digit target per game guy. If he right? gets 140 I mean, targets. 160, 160 targets. I was so just going to say a little less than that. I was yeah. going to say 140 plus, he'll be inside the top five wide receivers. 140 plus, you've got A.J. Brown finishing the top five. Yeah, he'll be, pu- he'll, he'll be pushing Tyreek Hill with 140 targets. Yeah. Now, Corey Davis was very consistent last year. One, two, three, four, five 100-yard games. Yeah, he, he, he was – but even just the last two games of the season, the one game we don't care about in fantasy. I mean, week 14 – week no, week 15, he had a, four catches, 110 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah. Week 13, he had 11 for 182 and a touchdown. Yeah, he just so, – I mean, he was – Jacksonville game, yeah. massive disappointment, went goose egg against the Packers. And those are yeah. two. Those are killers right there. Yeah. Then yeah. He, had, he had a goose, yeah, he had a zero earlier in the season too, didn't he? He against the uh, Bears in week oh, nine. Oh, the Bears. There you go. Well, Three he doesn't targets, have to worry about Kyle catches. Fuller anymore because you guys are the only ones that don't know how to work a salary cap. <laughs> and with that, we're going to call it an episode here on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Brandon called it an episode a few minutes ago. The bum. Me and Jake, we stayed with you to the end. So just remember that when you're thinking about your Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast host and co-host power rankings just keep that in mind we'll be back with you next week uh check out that deal also at the athletic one dollar a month to get a in the door get a subscription jake seeley brandon funston i'm michael beller we'll back we're back with you next week talk to you then